Section 14 of the American Bee Journal, Volume 33, Number 2, January 11, 1894. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Piotr Natter. The American Bee Journal, Volume 33, Number 2, January 11, 1894, by Various. Our Letterbox, Part 3. Another bee in the ear. That account of the editor of the progressive beekeeper having trouble with a bee in his ear, page 649, sent a convulsive shudder over me. Three years ago, while working in the apiary, a few bees got inside of my veil. I paid no attention to them until one started with a firm determination to go through my head by way of my ears. Just how near she succeeded, I would not like to say but it seemed as if she had accomplished half her journey and was still going further. Well, to say I was scared the worst I ever was in my life is putting it mildly. When I tell you I take delight in robbing ordinary yellow jackets' nests with my naked hands in the hayfield, with a crowd of men looking on at a safe distance, you will know I am not very timid around bees either. My first thoughts were to run to the house, but I had taken but a few steps when I realized that I would not be any better off there, as my wife and family have never materialized yet. As a last resort, I turned the smoker in my ear full blast, and the bee came out, or I believe I would not be here to tell the story. No person has any idea of the great terror it brings over one without a trial. Who will be first among the many beekeepers to bring forth an invention to slip over the ears, having a screen in order to not interfere with the hearing. I will give up all my part, and only ask that the inventor deal liberally with his customers. J. H. Andre, Lockwood, New York Look before you leap. This is the leisure season, and people gather round the warm stove to cuss and discuss the merits and demerits of different sections of our great country, some favoring one state and some another, some favoring south, some east and west, any place but cold Minnesota. I spoke of Texas. One of our townsmen spoke in regard to Texas something after this style. You don't know what you, as a northerner, are talking about. Just after the war closed, there were eleven families that left Osakis for Sherman, Texas, and all came back that could. I tell you, a person from the north has no business down there. I left here in January, and got back in June, and I have located on a farm here for life. The cemetery at Sherman has three little graves marking the resting place of our three little children, all being taken from us in three weeks. My wife being sick, she thought it advisable to go north again. She barely survived to get back, but soon recovered, and three more children blessed our home, which are with us, plump and healthy while children in the extreme south resemble calves reared on skim milk. W.T. Osakis, Minnesota, November 29, 1893 Extracted honey for farmers, etc. The past year has been one of the poorest of all the poor years of the past in my locality. The bees were so weak from poor wintering, and the cold, wet, backward spring made it impossible to get them ready for the harvest from clover. The flow from clover was very good, basswood was only fair, the bloom not being very profuse. At the close of the basswood season, a long and protracted drought set in, which done up everything brown. Bees here are very light in stores. I worked a part of my colonies for extracted honey the past season. 
I used up all my empty combs that were evacuated the last winter and spring. It was my first experience with extracted honey. I think it is just the way when the bees are not up to the required pressure for comb honey. If the farmers who keep bees would use the extractor and give their bees plenty of combs at the right time, they would get more from their bees than they do. It requires a specialist to make a success at comb honey. My best colony gave me 150 pounds of extracted honey, and my average of comb and extracted was about 20 pounds per colony, spring count. The increase was about 25%. I have some of the extra light-colored bees, and I like them. My queens are prolific. Their colonies are just as populous as any of my dark ones. They are rustlers to work. If honey is left exposed, they will find it first and get the lion's share too. I think they are just a little inclined to steal from the blacks. They are very easy to handle, stick right to the combs, and protect them from robbers. If they prove to be hardy to winter, I will requeen all my colonies in the spring. C. P. McKinnon Bangor, Iowa, November 30, 1893 A beginner, 65 years old. I am 65 years old, though a young beekeeper, and have never happened to be where many bees were kept. I have had a great deal of bad luck the last two or three years. I had my safe blown open and robbed of nearly $2,000 of the town's money, which used me up financially. But I believe my little busy bees are going to help me out soon. I traded my watch last winter for three colonies of bees, and I think they have done well this season. After cleaning the sections and sorting the partly filled ones, I had 330 sections of honey, seven new colonies of bees, making me ten to put into winter quarters on November 25th, with plenty of honey to winter, with the exception of one small colony that I fed for a week. It had not very many bees, but it may come out all right in the spring. I think the above is doing pretty well for a greenhorn, and I also think I should have made a grand failure of beekeeping if I had not subscribed for the American Bee Journal. I traded for the bees last winter, about a year ago, and subscribed for the Bee Journal, and became a little posted by spring. It paid me ten times the amount of the subscription price. I wish we had another Mrs. Jenny Atchley here in the Northwest. Daniel Smethurst, Seneca, Wisconsin, December 4, 1893 End of section 14 End of The American Bee Journal, Volume 33, Number 2, January 11, 1894, by Varius.